from file A56-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey kids, comics! Hello shiny happy listeners and welcome to the 15th episode of Hey Kids Comic. Didn't think this thing would go the distance, did you? Nah. No, neither did I. Tonight, we'll be looking at the star-spangled Avenger, the shield-slinging hero of World War II, the man who stands for truth, justice, and the American dream, Captain America. America! America! And that's all we can play of that. ourselves out to try and catch extra listeners who are jumping on the train with the upcoming movie. And we'll be doing it with Green Lantern as well. And possibly Thor. All three of them. Because we are nothing if not shameless. You might not be. I'm shameless. I am. Uh, I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm Michael Leyland. And after our epic Star Wars coverage, which you can go back and listen to all of them again and again because they are true, true things of great beauty. Yeah, it was amazing. It was. We out-epic the Star Wars podcasts in the next couple of weeks with our Green Lantern coverage. I wasn't kidding about jumping on the movie bandwagon. Mm. We're going to take a quick look at Captain America, mainly to give me some extra time to read all those Blackest Night comics mm. that you're making me read. I'm not making you. You're reading it out of of your own want to read it. Yes, I am, actually. I didn't realise it was quite this involved. <laughs> you know, we were going to be covering this for about 40 weeks. Yeah. Oh, God. We'll we're really going to try our audience's patience. We'll be laughing about it next year. Well, when we finally finish. Yeah. <sighs> we'll have a tea party. A quaint little tea party. A quaint little tea. It's time for a sexy party. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield are killed. Then he's left to a fight and a duel is killed. Then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America Captain America, to bring it back on topic, was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby in 1941. And unlike the national periodical characters of the time, Superman and Batman, who fought the good fight on the covers of their magazines, but never inside, Cap was in the trenches with the common man. In fact, the first issue of Captain America comics has Cap punching out Hitler, which is repeated uh, as the splash page of one of the issues that we're going to be covering today. And is a cover of Marvel Zombies. Is it? Have they spoofed that on Marvel Zombies as well? Yeah. Writer Garth Ennis has said that he finds characters such as Cap offensive to real war veterans. Uh, but I think he's really straining out to miss the point there, isn't he? To be oh. honest with you. Nobody thinks Cap's real. 
He's a symbol, a propaganda tool, if you will. But he gives hope and strength, not only to real soldiers, but to the families, particularly the children of soldiers back home. He stood for something important against an implacable enemy, and arguably... Arguably? Arguably? Arguably. Arguably. And arguably, this World War II milieu suits the character the best. He was Steve Rogers, born July 4th, 1917. Born on July the 4th. What are the odds? <laughs> did you not get that? I, I didn't know. No. Where did it say that? Um, it says it somewhere. I was tired. Yes. You look tired now. That's what you get for having a girlfriend. Uh, um, he was born of two immigrants who, shocked by the rise of the Third Reich, volunteers for military service. He's rejected, but his patriotism attracts the attention of General Chester Phillips, who puts Steve up for a top-secret project, Operation Rebirth. Steve is injected with a super serum, so he's given drugs, okay? <laughs> and then exposed to Vita rays, which metamorphoses Steve into a nearly perfect human being, capable of enhanced speed, strength, and agility. Nearly perfect. Nearly perfect. What a make him perfect. I don't know. He's already blonde and blue-eyed, isn't he? Before the formula can be used on others, however, a Nazi spy kills the scientist who developed it. And because he never wrote the formula down, it is lost forever. <laughs> Why did he not do that? Well, Back up, you work! <laughs> First thing you taught in IT. Back up your work. Cap fought the good fight in World War II before being lost, presumed dead, near the end of the war. When the character was when the character was resurrected by I can't get this right at all, can I? When the character was resurrected by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby for Marvel in the 1960s, resurrected from suspended animation by the Avengers in the story, Stan made Cap a Marvel character by having him be plagued with doubts about this brave new world he found himself in. Go on. How did they finish it back in the 40s? When Bucky gets killed trying to stop the drone. Oh, so they actually did do that? Yeah, Cap gets... Oh, right. I don't think they did that in the 40s. I could be wrong. Okay. I think that was Stan's retcon. Oh, so how did they finish it? I don't think they did. I think it just finished. Oh, okay. Didn't. I don't think it ended. I could be wrong. I'm sure so somebody will let us know. They, they did a Straczynski on it? Yes, they just finished. Right, okay. Before it was finished. Because yeah. he's got other things to do. Because he's an important writer oh, who has yeah. to write films. Yes. So can't be bothered with this Superman crap. I always wanted to write that character. He's my favourite character. I would walk over coals to write that character. I would drink glass to write that character six months in. He's quit. What yeah. a pussy. Films. Anyway. Films. I'm sure he's a lovely uh, I'm, guy. I'm sure there's uh, something that's coming to mind by Stravinsky that was on TV and was crap. Very crap. Has a five in it somewhere. Was Babylon 5 <laughs> was great! <laughs> it was crap. Until it got to its last series, which I agree was crap. But you can skip that entire series and just watch the last episode. When the character was resurrected, see, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby from Marvel in the 60s, resurrected from suspended animation by the yeah, Avengers, Stan made Cap a Marvel you character by having him be plagued with doubts about this. this brave new world he found himself in. Stan made a brave move in having Cap be resurrected and not be a new Captain America, as with the war only 20 years old at that point, Cap could interact with people he knew from the war, all of whom had aged in normal time while he still looked young. Over the years, Marvel's elastic time frame means that Cap was now only thawed out in 2001. Yes, by the Ultimates. (gasps) 
No, not by the ultimate. No. Although the line, do you think this A stands for France, is very funny. <laughs> yeah. The film seems to be following this origin quite faithfully. What do you think of the look of the movie, Michael? I don't think it looks very good. You're so negative tonight. I think it looks pretty cool. It's... And I saw the set. Did you? Yes. I was quite that's it, though. Yeah, that's, I didn't see any of the actors or mm. anything, but I saw the set. They were filming just down the road from Travelling Man cool. in Manchester. So I went and had a sneaky peek. Cool. It was quite cool. A lot of it was just burly men stood around holding walkie-talkies. But I saw New York. I saw a New York street Did in you? the middle of Manchester. Mm. I think it's quite funny that to replicate New York in the 40s, they came to England. <laughs> You know where in New York that looks like. No, that's we're just desolate and broken, to be honest with you. Uh, I like the look of the movie, to be honest with you. I like that it's in World War Two. Uh, I'm not sold on the helmet. I'm not Slash sold on mask. the on the what's his face Todd Ingram being Captain America. Why not? He's what's wrong with Todd Ingram? He just doesn't look like Captain America. He didn't look much like the human he torch. He wasn't Todd Ingram, no, was it? No, wasn't that Brandon Ralph? He was the second evil ex. He was America. one of the evil exes. Yeah, I forget the name. I would have thought you, Scott Pilgrim fan, would have known which one he was. With the eyebrows. Yes, the one with the eyebrows. Which is a lot better if you saw my eyebrows. Um, it is based on the ultimate costume, I suppose. Pretty much. But the movie, I think the movie looks alright. Captain America is a character you think wouldn't have much of a shelf life around the rest of the world, but I like Cap. Why would he not have a shelf life? Because he's Captain America. There's a clue in the name of the character that, you know, maybe Australia wouldn't perhaps relate to Captain America. Perhaps he wouldn't sell very well in Afghanistan, yeah, but have Iraq, you, have you noticed Saudi Arabia. Captain Britain doesn't sell very well, like, anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because Captain Britain's a big stiff. I like the Alan Moore run in that big fat omnibus that your mum bought me. Okay. I quite like that. But he's still a big stiff. Captain America represents an idealised America. America we've all grown up with thanks to movies and TV. An America where everyone is equal and one man, even a tireless representation of the American dream, can challenge the government when he thinks they're wrong. Because Cap wants America to be all that it can be. He's one of the few characters that actually has a stated goal. But I think he's probably quite a hard character to write. Too far one way or the other and he could be seen as a lily-livered liberal or a government stooge. I like a cat that knows his own mind but loves what his country represents. That's why I like Civil War. He's crap in Civil War. Yeah, but he he's didn't. written so hopelessly out of character. You can tell a British person wrote Civil War. Scottish. Because what? I don't give a stoss what he's Scottish, English, Irish, Welsh, whatever he is. He can't write Captain America to serve his nuts. I liked it. Mark Miller. It's wrong! But he wasn't a government stooge or the other thing he said. No, he wasn't, but was, was it one of the spin-offs? And he had his own stated goals. Somebody's talking to him about he doesn't know how to use Facebook or how to use an iPod. He's completely out of touch. Who gives a toss that Captain America doesn't know how to use an iPod? Oh, alright. I worry that I don't know how to use an iPod while I'm out fighting Hydra, should I? Exactly. It's a spin-off. It doesn't matter. Oh, crap. In Civil War. Utter pants. Even the art was crap. I like Steve McNeeman's art, and it's better than Nemesis art. I quite like Nemesis. I like the story, but the art. No, I like the art in Nemesis. Okay. Yeah, I like it when the train hits that dude. That's a nice tangent. Um, Captain America has been shown as being willing to kill in the course of his duties. What? Yeah? <laughs> Do you like a Captain America that kills? In World War Two, maybe. Just not generally. Did he kill anyone outside of World in War II? In the first... Was it the first issue of Ed Brubacker's run? He kills a bunch of terrorists. Or he causes a bunch of terrorists to be killed by his actions. I can't quite remember. And then Sharon Carter says something to him about, um, 
did you have to kill them? And Cap replies something like, and this is from memory, so it's not a direct quote, um, yeah, uh, no, I didn't have to kill them, but all the victims that they would have killed, I'm sure they appreciate the fact that I did, or something like that. Okay. So he's quite open about killing terrorists in Captain America number one. If you were Hydra, maybe. Well, loads of them do. But they're not Hydra, are they? Are they, are they Hydra? I don't remember. Hydra. See, I don't mind a cat that uses a gun. He was a soldier. As long as he's the beehive dudes. Yeah, the beehive dudes. <laughs> the hive. <laughs> Thought they were DC. No, no, they have like. Yeah, the big, tall, yellow hats. Yeah. Yeah, they're quite cool. <laughs> you buy an action figure of that. Cool. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I, I, I don't know. He's living in America. He's Captain America. What would be wrong he with Captain America? America? What's wrong with him having what's, a gun? What's wrong with having a gun, yeah? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's the God-given constitutional right. So I don't, I don't have a problem. I don't think he'd kill people in peacetime. No. But I have no problem with carrying a gun in World War Two. to be honest with you. I don't see what the big deal was there. There was an issue of uh, Captain America by James DeMathis in the 80s where Cap didn't like Red's Lost Ark because really? he didn't yeah. think Indiana Jones was a good role model. Okay. Because he killed people indiscriminately. Which I thought was the writer putting his views on Captain America. Indiana Jones doesn't kill people indiscriminately. He's shooting Nazis, which... Well, yes. Wasn't Captain America doing that well, too? Well, yes. But also, he doesn't kill anyone indiscriminately. Oh, really? Throughout that entire film. He does kill people, but they're all threatening him. Yeah. I mean, the guy who gets chopped up with the, the blades. He tries to warn him. They shot first. Yes. So, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't know what that is. Tonight... We will be looking at two stories from the newly released War and Remembrance hardcover. Except ours isn't newly released, nor is it a hardcover. Ours is the 10th anniversary of this run of comics. So this is from 1990. So this is five years older than you, and it's publishing comics that were printed ten years before that. So I think I was about... How old will I have been in 1981? I'll have been nine in 1981. When these first came out, I'm a whiz. I couldn't have done it without maths. No, I obviously judge you by your maths scores. Uh, what? You don't get your brains from me for maths, do you? Anyway, we will talk about two issues of Captain America after these tunes. Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe it myself. Suddenly I'm up on top of the world It should have been somebody else Believe it or not, I'm walking on air I never thought I could feel so free Flying away on a wing and a prayer Who could it be? Believe it or not
two issues we were looking at tonight, Cap for President and The Living Legend. Stanley presents The Living Legend. Ooh. Ooh. Step back. Step back. Oh, dear. The Living Legend is a complete retelling of the origin of Captain America. First appeared in Captain America 255. This was the 40th anniversary issue of the character and has a March 1982 cover date. The cover is by Frank Miller and it says JR. Now, the Marvel Comics database says that this is John Romita. Does that look like John Romita to you? He doesn't look much like Frank Miller. It doesn't look a lot like... I mean, the pose of Cap at the bottom does. Maybe, yeah. But... Yeah, I would lay money on that being Joe Rubenstein, not John Romita. Because Joe Rubenstein inked most of this run. Right. And inked the last page of this issue. Right. So it would make more sense that it was him than John Romita. doesn't look anything like John Romita, to be honest with you. Um, It's a movie poster type montage, given that we are audio and not visual. Captain America shaking the hand of a young Robin alike, dressed in red and blue and wearing a domino mask. In the background, explosions well, explode, uh, and Cap punches some guys out, lights out. Ah, uh, it's a good cover, it's striking and effective, but I would never have pegged that as Frank Miller's work. I don't think it's very good. Mm. Well, it's, it's an anniversary issue cover. It's two people standing around. It's an anniversary issue, surely they should celebrate it. Well, they've got, they've got Cap at the bottom punching people, and there's explosions, and soldiers presumably dying in those explosions, and there's planes flying around, and it has the logo from the original Captain America comics from the 40s. Did they change it? Yes. Instead of the regular logo, which is red, white, and blue. Oh! Those old... That old logo's the logo now. Yes, it is. That logo has been resurrected in recent years for the Ed Brubacker run. Do you like the cover? No, why don't you like the cover, Mr. Contrarian? Because no, it's like two dudes stood there. Didn't we spend like 90 minutes dissing covers for just two dudes being stood there? Well, mostly it was three dudes being stood there, but yeah, I take your point. Yeah, but they were dull. So is that. The cover of Superman's Secret Origin is an old couple and a kid. Well, I want that comic, Mum. That's a dude and a kid. At least it's Captain America. So? At least he looks like he's going to do something interesting. How does he look? He's just stood there he's with stood his hands there shaking his... Bucky's hand in a we've just done something manly kind of way. He stood there with his hand in some kid's hand, arm around each other, watching some Nazis <laughs> die. <laughs> Did you like Gladiator movies, Bucky? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. God, you're just so wrong about what it looks like. Everything. Just pointing out the facts. Oh, dear me. The story, as we've already established, is called The Living Legend. It was written by Roger Stern, penciled by John Byrne. It was not inked. Was it not? No, this is produced from pencils. It looks inked. I think that's the colouring. Oh, okay. The final page only was inked by Joe Rubenstein to give you some visual difference between the flashback stuff and the new stuff. I, I didn't get any of the visual difference. You don't like you get any sleep either. I get plenty yeah, of sleep. I'm sure you Take do. Take my TV away and I will. I'm sure to. Uh, we open with a magnificent splash page of Cat punching out Hitler. Now, yeah, there is an argument to be said that American superhero comics should not touch political events But it's cool. In anywhere. But let's be honest, Captain America punching out Hitler is almost as cool as that Superman story from 1942, I think. What if Superman won the war? You ever read that? It's in 
Superman in the 40s. It's only two pages. It's brilliant. What if Superman won the war and in two pages he captures Stalin and he captures Hitler? It's oh, it's just glorious. I think that's cool. I'd be all for them having um, Captain America punch out Gaddafi. Yeah. I think that'd be brill. I think that'd be quite cool. Apparently... This is a homage to Captain America Comics number one from March Apparently. 1941. You mean you didn't know? I did, because we mentioned it earlier. But there's no continuity in our show. Okay. I don't do any research for this drivel. So I don't so remember what us. I... Yes, Joker's out of rights, so there's no continuity. <laughs> he draws us as well, which is why we look so funny. I look good. <laughs> yes, you look astonishing. I'm being painted by Alex Rossi. Excellent. The intro is really good. I like this introduction, so I'm going to read it. Are you? Are you sitting comfortably? Story time! Then we will begin. In the latter days of 1940, as the entire world teetered on the brink of global war, there arose a man unlike any other. A man of courage and strength. Principle. Frack. <laughs> a man of courage, strength and principle. A man of peace, caught up in a war against a menace which threatened to destroy freedom and quash liberty. A man who personified truth and justice and all the hopes of mankind. They called him Captain America, and this is his story. They did not call him Jane. <laughs> the hero of Canton, <laughs> the man they call Jane. I like that intro. I think that intro is really good. Okay. What do you think of that intro, Ange? Thumbs up <laughs> from your mum. It's all you Excellent. need. Are we ready? Yes. So the story begins. City dweller. No, oh, that joke never gets old. June 1941. President Roosevelt is looking over some top secret documentation. Top secret. Top secret. Did they say top secret in big bold writing? It does say top secret in. Well, it doesn't know. It just says Operation Rebirth on the cover. It doesn't. It doesn't have top secrets on it. That's that's boring. That's just crap, isn't it? Yeah. Blime. <laughs> it would be funny if it said that. He leaves through the file which tells the story of Steve Rogers. Not Buck Rogers. No. Not Steve Austin. <gasps> Steve. That would be a cool crossover. What? Steve Austin and Steve Rogers? <laughs> yeah. And Buck Rogers? Yeah. I don't know how you could... Well, Captain America was in suspended animation. And Buck Rogers was in suspended animation. And Captain Steve America has been made Austin. into a perfect human and so Steve Austin. Steve Austin could... I don't know, we do a stunt for a film and crash. That's the fall guy, you fool! <laughs> I always thought it would be cool if Steve Austin met Colt Seavers. Yeah. That would be quite interesting. And Grandpa Max. And Grandpa Max. <laughs> yes, that would be quite confusing. Steve was raised alone by his mother after his father died. He was a voracious reader of fantasy and a keen artist. You will note that on the bottom panel, right, right. He's, he's an artist. Right, okay. Okay. Sure. okay. And this was the time of the Great Depression, and times were hard. When he hit his late teens, his mother died of pneumonia, and Steve took a job as a delivery boy. Whilst at the movie, Steve was horrified by footage of the Nazi occupation of Europe. Horrified. Horrified. And volunteered for service despite being classified as too frail for the draft. Overhearing his zeal for some kind of justice, Steve was approached by General Phillips, who offered him an opportunity to take part in Operation Rebirth. The project, under the auspices of Dr. Abraham Erskine, is designed to create a super soldier, a normal man operating at the peak of human efficiency. Over the next few weeks, Steve is examined and probed. <laughs> Whilst the formula is... I knew that was going to make you laugh. Whilst the way. formula is perfected. Then a group of official and high-ranking dignitaries are gathered. The serum is ready. 
the process is threefold. First, Steve is injected with drugs, okay, <laughs> that will instantly ready his bloodstream. Then he is to take an oral form of the compound, <laughs> and finally is exposed to Vita rays. So, so, drugs are actually good for you? Drugs are apparently fine. Huh. Yes. In later tellings of the story, I think through the 60s, he, he wasn't injected. They oh, just okay. did the Vita Ray stuff, because they didn't want kids thinking if they ejected themselves they would turn into super soldiers. Just like they didn't want kids set themselves on fire like the Human Torch. Okay. I have yet to find anyone dumb enough to do that. Mm. I do believe there were some kids who jumped off tall buildings thinking they could fly because they had a cape on. But to me, they're very, very stupid. Yeah. Because at no point is it ever established that Superman only flies because he wears a <laughs> cape! There are people who think that Batman can fly <laughs> because he wears a cape! <laughs> These are very, very stupid people, and we do not encourage you to talk to them. Okay. Or play with them. Okay. Or have anything to do with them. Okay. And if they are stupid enough to think <laughs> that, let them jump off buildings, because that will increase the gene pool's IQ. I see. So, so um, they didn't want kids to see drug use or anything, so they went ahead and read an issue of Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Yeah, I was in the 70s. Adams. We were alright in the 70s. Oh, okay. The experiment is a success. Steve is transformed before their eyes into the perfect embodiment of physical perfection. Erkskin is delighted. That almost sounds like foreskin. <laughs> With this serum, he can not only win the war, but rid the world. Every time I said that, I was waiting for you to say something. And you let me down. That's because at no point did I hate Erskine. Foreskin. Did you not? No. Oh, dear I'm me. innocent for once. Yes, just for once. With the serum, he can not only win the war, but rid the world of disease and infirmity. But in this moment of triumph, tragedy strikes. One of the assembled dignitaries is, in fact, a Nazi spy, and he kills Erkskin in cold blood. Was the glass between them not bulletproof? Um, I don't think there was any glass between them, was there? Weren't they all just sat in a... Oh, no, you are correct. Uh, maybe they didn't have bulletproof glass then, but they had super serums that could make people superhuman. Maybe they didn't think about that. One of the assembled dignitaries is, in fact, a Nazi spy, and he kills Erkskin in cold blood. He How dies. How dare he? How dare he? Yeah. And the secret of the super soldier dies with him. Steve punches the spy into the Vita Ray machine where he is electrocuted and died. So does Steve kill him? Because, but right. in the original telling of this story, right. it is mentioned in here, in the um, narration dialogue from President Roosevelt, it says, duh, 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 as he scrambled to free himself, he grabbed hold of an Omnivertus high voltage terminal and was instantly electrocuted. Huh. Now, huh. in the original story, well, yeah. not the original, but in the retelling that Stan Lee did in the 60s when he brought him back, we actually see him reach for the cable and electrocute himself. Oh, but good. this does kind of imply Cap punching him into that kills him. With Erkskin dead, Roosevelt initiated Project Super Soldier. They do like the code names. Yeah. That's pretty good. Steve is trained in both body and mind and told about the Red Skull, a Nazi agent who has come to embody Nazism and fear. He's actually not in this at all. There's a picture of him. <laughs> That's it. And he's on the TV screen at the front. I do like the, the front cover of this, the front cover, the splash page of this, the were caps punching out Hitler. Hitler's got a big widescreen TV with the Red Skull on it. He had HD. 50 years before anyone else did. He was a genius. Yes, he was a genius. If only that power mm. could have been harnessed for good. He would have probably sat there drawing creature pictures. Well, he was a bit of an artist, wasn't he? I quite liked his art, to be honest. Don't say you like Hitler's art! It was better than what he did in politics. Well, yes. 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 
That's very true. General Phillips feels the Allies need a symbol, just as potent as Red Skull, but one who stands for liberty and freedom. And he gives Steve a costume made of old glory herself, the stars and stripes of the US flag. Cat makes his public debut three three years later. What did he? Why did he wait so long? Cat makes his public debut three days later, saving a U.S. colonel from a Reich kidnapping. And twenty four hours after that, he follows the trail of the organizers to a warehouse in New York. With the help of the FBI, Cap takes them down, and Roosevelt is told that Cap has shut down a number of such rings. So, in three days, he's done quite a lot of work. Roosevelt is impressed, and Cap is invited in. Roosevelt replaces his old triangular-shaped shield with a new round one made of... Well, they don't actually know what it's made of. It was created by accident, but it's a lot lighter than Cap's old shield and can be thrown further. I know it's made of admantium. You know it's made of admantium. Yeah. When was that retconned into continuity? I don't know. That it was made of admantium. Joe I think it was before that, but I don't know. Who would win the fight then? Captain Will it be made of Admantium in the film? Because Cat Wolverine and X-Men are owned by a different film company. Oh. Which is why so they Spider-Man... So as well? Yeah. Which is why Spider-Man couldn't fight the Kingpin. Apparently Sam Raimi wanted the Kingpin in the Spider-Man movies and couldn't have him because Fox owned Daredevil and Daredevil had used the Kingpin. But, which but, is why they couldn't have Ben Urich at the Daily Bugle as well. Even though they did talk about having Joey Pantalantoni or whatever his name is, Joey Pants, playing him in both films, but they weren't allowed. But it belongs to Marvel anyway. Yes, but they've sold the rights to that character to that film studio, so all elements of that character... Right. Rights are a funny thing. Do you know Superboy is considered a different set of rights from Superman? Why? It, because it is. Huh? Which okay. is why the Salkins could sell the rights for Superman, somebody else made Superman 4, but right. they could still make a Superboy TV show. Oh, okay. But they could never use Lois Lane, right. or The Daily Planet, or Perry White. Right. But they could use Clark Kent and Superboy, and Lana Lang. Because okay. that's considered Superboy, not Superman. Even though Lana Lang was in Superman 3. And to Clark Kent was in both. Yes, weird that, isn't it? Luthor was yeah, in Yeah, Superboy is considered an entirely different property. Oh, okay. Very strange. Well, I think it is. Roosevelt informs Cap that he has a new mission. He is given a cover identity of Private Stephen Rogers, and he meets Bucky Barnes. That's not really a very good private identity, is it? What? His real name. Bucky Barnes. Private Bucky Barnes. Private Steve Rogers, you buffoon. Oh, right. Uh, Bucky goes on to discover that Steve is Cap and joins him in his fight as his partner, but is killed in action in the same accident that causes Cap to fall into suspended animation. He is later revived by the Avengers, issue number four, March 1964, and later we see Cap arrive home. With the star-spangled banner playing on TV, Cap watches the sunrise in modern-day New York.
this issue, Michael? Um, it was an origin, I suppose, but it wasn't really a good issue. What? <laughs> what? It was a good issue, nothing what was goes not on at all. It's the origin in one issue. Your highfalutin poncy writers couldn't do a one-issue origin nowadays. Bendis took six issues with Spider-Man in a fucking costume. can get away with it. Nothing happened. There's more reading material in this one issue than six issues of your ultimates. Get that cat off my Walkman. No. <laughs> Curse it. Nothing happened. Why do you think nothing happened? Because it's just... Well, for starters, the actual story's taking place in the Washington Oval Office. Yeah, Roosevelt's reading the story. Exactly, so nothing's going on. But he's reading it. It's a flashback! Meaning it's not going on in present day? No, it's not going on in present day! It takes place in 1941! Let's pretend we're in the Oval Office, and you're Roosevelt, right? And you're reading this. It's like, see? Present day. No, you You have rendered me inert! Good, it means I'm right and you're wrong. You're not right. You are so far away from right, you're <laughs> around the other side. Which means I'm close to right than wrong. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, God, nothing happens. I, I, I just despair of you sometimes. You and your modern comics. Oh. Get off my lawn. I'm sorry, bro. In two pages, though, he drives a bike into people and knocks them all out. Because they're all American. No, well, yes, aren't they some kind of, what's his name? Bund. What's a bund? I didn't know what that was. Are they... Is they not something you use in science? That's a... It could be. Are they Nazi supporters? I think so. I think it's quite funny that he calls them a disgrace to America. Well, they are. They're Nazi supporters, you know. Other than thinking nothing happened. Thinking? <laughs> yes, I know that thinking is, is rare for you. Mm. Other than thinking nothing happened, did you like anything? Um, the punching Hitler. The punching Hitler. Did you like the art? Uh, in bits. Did you like the story? Bits. I give up. I, 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 <laughs> his costume annoyed me, really. And why did his costume annoy you? The old one. Why? It was the mask, really. But that's why he changes it. Yeah, but think about it. What's it made of? It just said it's made of chain mail, doesn't it? His helmet. His hat thing. His mask, mask yeah. It's made of chain mail. I think oh, isn't all of his suit chain mail? Well, that's exactly... Could, could you do all that if you were wearing chain mail? Well, it's a very flexible kind of chain mail. I think if you're, you're, you're going to rip the, the, the superhero costume thing to bits, 
the whole point of his costume is to give hope okay. to people in the war. I mean, realistically, the last thing you'd wear on a battlefield is red, white, and blue. Yeah. I t- t- so, you know, disagree with you wholeheartedly on almost everything. You always do. Wouldn't have a podcast if you didn't. That's true. St- Roger Stern's a great comic book writer. I said this back in episode three when we covered two issues of the run on Spider-Man. Stern writes really good naturalistic dialogue, <laughs> except for the bad guys who are deliberately over the top. It's great. How can you tell for do it and not to... He says, bah! He says, mine got. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't see anywhere where they say, bah. I think he says, bah. Somewhere. Oh, oh, comic book bad guys say, like bah. At some point, they think they're sheep. Is what it is. Steve is not shown being injected with the serum. I don't know if this is because of the comics code at the time, but like we mentioned earlier, they did go through a period where, in re- retellings of this origin, they didn't even mention that he got injected. So they're allowed to shoot people and kill people? And yes, but they're not allowed to show him get injected. Oh, okay. Well, it's the way of things. I get injected at school, so I'm bad about it. Stop it. Steve, being the embodiment of physical perfection, is all well and good. But I like that they do establish that they're going to train him to use his brain as well. I meant heavy time. Yes, I'm glad that you established So he's pretty much the Marvel equivalent of... Batman. Mm. Yes. But he's also Superman as well. Well, see, my thinking with Batman is the embodiment of physical perfection as well, but established that he trained his mind. So if Batman, or if Bruce Wayne, if Batman entered the Olympics, that would look a bit silly. Although they all were flashy costumes at the Olympics, don't they? Mm. If Bruce Wayne entered the Olympics, he would win every event. Okay. If Bruce Wayne were to really put his mind to it and stop fighting criminals and put his mind to it properly, he could win the Nobel Peace Prize. All right. So, because he's trained himself that much. Half-breed kingdom come. Well, yeah. I always thought that Captain America was just, like, slightly better than him. So, okay. if, if Bruce would win the Olympics, but he competed against Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers would be one slither of a second faster than him and in thinking he's just a fraction of a second quicker than him and in fact if I was Bruce Wayne I would beat the crap out of Steve Rogers because Bruce Wayne worked really 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 hard (laughs) to be the best there is at what he does and Steve Rogers just gets injected and exposed to Vita Res so that's my take on the difference Um, but I do like that they establish that they're going to train him to be a soldier properly and that Bruce trains himself to be intelligent because this quest for beauty over brains leads to a culture of people obsessed with vacuous, empty-headed models like Katie Price or Kim Kardashian. Who? I'm glad you don't know who she is. I, I'm never sure who she is. I think she's got a fat ass, though. Um, we should be worshipping true heroes, legitimate role models like astronauts and scientists. Yes. Of course, that never happens anymore, None does it? my role models are scientists and astronauts. Mine are. I love astronauts. And my heroes have always been cowboys. I want to be an astronaut. And they still are today. Are they? Yes. The scene where Captain America debuts, I think, is great. Well, okay. You obviously think it's utter pants. Um, I Save think that. it's a low-key introduction. Saving two officers on a lonely back road. Perfectly keeping with Cap's character. Steve is modest and unassuming, even wearing the American flag. He does remind me of Steve Austin. Uh, yeah. Right. In The Six Million Dollar Man, Steve Austin's quite low-key and very humble. He does remind me of Steve Rogers. And I like that he just does it on a back alley somewhere. Low-key and humble. Yeah. You mean jumping a motorbike into the faces of Nazis? That's yes. low-key and yeah, he's humble. Not, he's not doing it in front of a newspaper reporter or swooping in and saving a helicopter from 
crushing people in the middle of a street, is that it? That was necessary. Well, it was. I'm not denying that. Lois Lane would be a red smear on the ground if he hadn't done that, but, you know, just saying. So whilst he was doing that, a helicopter crashed and there was a red smear on the ground. Yes. <laughs> well, he was doing this low-key saving of people's <laughs> lives. Out on the battlefield, loads of people have been slaughtered. Yeah. Oh, damn you, Cap, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Page 13, who was that masked man? I love that. Okay. <laughs> Very lone ranger. The young newspaper man on page 15, who nearly takes a photo of an unmasked Captain America. Is that J. Jonah Jameson? It looks like him, but it does, how it? old would that make him? Well, if we establish that this was written in 1981, wasn't it? So March 81's the cover date, so it will have come out in 1980. Okay. With the sliding timescale that is Marvel time, that means that Cap will have come out of suspended animation in 1970 at that point. Right. Okay? Yeah. So, that means that J. Jonah Jameson could be a cub reporter, though, in 1942. Right. Putting him at around, say, 17 or 18. But he has a moustache. Which would make him... So, some people can grow full beards at 15 or 16, you know, just because you can't. Which would put him in his 60s. Right. In current continuity, which works out as being about right. Unless it was his dad. Okay, it could have been his dad, yeah. Well, I mean, you could establish now that it's his dad. Yeah. Because now we've established that in Marvel's sliding timescale, Cap's only come out of suspended animation in 2001, hasn't he? Mm. So he wasn't even there for 9-11 now. No. In the way this all works, which is quite interesting. But he was, because we saw him right after in that Welcome to Marvel's issue. sliding timescale. It has always only been seven to ten years before the Fantastic Four first appeared, and they are considered to be the start of the Marvel Universe. So Cap's probably only been around for about eight to nine years, and that's the way it always is. doesn't matter what year you are. In 1970, Cap came out of suspended animation in 1960. Right. In 2011, Cap came out of suspended animation in 2001. It's always only been roughly about ten years. Okay. Welcome to continuity Marvel style. I don't like it, I never have a headache. Why? I think it makes perfect sense. I don't get it. It's quite what's it. The only thing wrong with that is when you go back and read old issues now and you're like, well, why doesn't he have a cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should do it until it gets really old, like, instead of the Punisher coming from Vietnam, he should now come from Iraq or something. Yeah. See, they got around that in Spider-Man with Flash Thompson, didn't they? Yeah. Flash Thompson served in Vietnam. And now they just say he was overseas in the army because mm. there's always going to be a war that he could take place in isn't there yeah let's be honest there was talk at one point in the ultimates wasn't there of updating cap so that he was in vietnam and not world war Two. was it yeah okay. and they decided against that the two-page spread bringing cap up to date i think is pretty cool that one i, I quite like them actually um my, i mean yeah uh, i think this was an excellent issue all round. Cap's origins told in one concise single issue that, yes, if I'm honest, could have been told in two issues, because all of this two-page spread where it recaps what happened after he met Bucky, that could have been told as another issue. What, what, what was that? Can you say it again? A bit it, louder. It may have... bit louder. May, may, may... I'm not committing to this, but may have been better if it stretched to two issues. <laughs> but the fact that they could do it in one... It's a prime example of the kind of comic they can't make anymore, won't make anymore. Um, Marvel went through a period of retelling origins occasionally. Spectacular Spider-Man 60, mm -hmm. uh, as the origin of Spider-Man retold, were, with the benefit of hindsight, they made all the disparate elements join up. Um, but no, the writers aren't good enough to do this anymore. 
they have to take 24 issues to tell a story. I like 24 issues for a long story. Well, and it's considered deep and meaningful because it's they do it. It's the considered pacing. It's about the journey. It's more than the padding end. to milk more money out of you. Depends if it's good padding. It's not. It's Blackest Night. It's Blackest Night. No, we'll even Blackest Night, and we will talk about Blackest Night properly when we do our 400 year epic Blackest Night coverage. But even Blackest Night. How many spin-off issues were there of Blackest Night, Michael? Did you need to read any of them? No. Excel. So why do they exist? Secret Wars was 12 issues. Didn't cross over into any other magazines. Crisis on Infinite Earth was 12 issues. Did cross over into other magazines, but you didn't need to read them. They didn't make a point of saying you have to read all this. No, but you had to read Crisis on Infinite Earth to understand Flash if you were reading that. No, not really. Flash had cancelled at that point. Oh. Yeah. He'd had his trial of the Flash, hadn't he given up and walked away into the sunset? And then he was... What's that? Anyway, we're off topic again. And I've also not said what I've said about that last issue. And what do you think about that last issue? I don't know, you've changed. I've no, I've no, I'm still me. I, I quite like the, the montages. <laughs> There's just loads of them. It's there is quite a few montages montage. in this. Page 5, panel 1 is a montage. Mm-hmm. And it's not strictly oh, speaking. Oh, we just went past one. Was there another montage? Montage. Oh yeah, Cap Training is a montage. Even Rocky had a montage. And then obviously the two-page spread at the end is a montage. Is that all you have to say about the issue? Well, I want Now that you've proven to be completely wrong. How, how long has Steve been an artist at this point? Well, we've seen him sketching as a kid. Yes, but when did he get a job as an artist? He had a job as a commercial artist. I want to say prior to J.M. DeMathis writing him, which will have been around 1980-81. Then when Mark Gruenwald was writing it in about 88-89, he got a job working for Marvel Comics drawing the Captain America strip. Which is as self-referential as it gets, isn't it? But wasn't Kyle Rayner an artist in Green Lantern Comics? And didn't he end up drawing comic books? I think he did, but I could be wrong. Anyway, here's Razor Light. What a drag it is, the shape I'm in. Well, I go out somewhere, then I come home again. A lot of cigarettes, I can't get no sleep. There's nothing on the TV, nothing on the radio that means that much to me. All my life, watching America. In America Oh, 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 oh Trouble in America Oh, 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 oh Yesterday was easy Happiness came and went I got the movie script But I don't know what it meant A lot of cigarettes I can't get no sleep there's nothing on the TV, nothing on the radio that means that much to me. There's nothing on the TV, nothing on the radio that I can believe in. All my life, been watching America. All my life, this panic in America. Oh, 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 trouble in America. In America oh, 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 oh. 
as I got the news When you get it straight to stand up You just can't lose Give you my confidence All my faith in life President. Also, you can win a Toys R Us shopping spree. Ooh. Apparently. Ooh. Hmm. Do you know, at the time that was published, yep. I didn't have a clue what Toys R Us was. Decent. We didn't have Toys R Us over here, we had Toy and Hobby. Okay. It's kind of hard for you to comprehend that, isn't it? Yeah. No, we didn't have Toys We the didn't have big chains. Giraffe and the wrong way around are. No, we didn't have any of that. Oh. Toys R Us with the. What's that? Very shocking. Very American. Yes. Do you like that cover? Not really. Why do you not like the cover? It's dull. It's dull. Do you like any of the covers that are depicted in the back of this issue? I do, actually. For the nine issues that are in this trade paperback, which covers do you like? I quite like that one because there's stuff going on. The one where Captain America is being attacked by Baron Strucker in a flying car. That one because there's stuff going on. Mr. Hyde is attacking Captain America. That one because there's stuff going on. Yes, yes. That one because there's stuff going on. And not that one, because nothing happens. <laughs> so all the other issues that are covered in this trade paperback, which are Captain America 247 to 255, you like the covers, except the two that we've picked. Because the, the, nothing goes on on those covers. The dull covers. <sighs> dull, dull covers. Yeah, but you're a modern boy. Your yes, covers are deathly dull. Oh, some of them are cool. Only some of them. Um, it's an interesting cover rather than an exciting one, I suppose. Hey, interesting is dull. It's interesting because it piques the reader's curiosity. Peak. Twi- fit of Twin Peaks. Um, is Cap running for president? Why? What's occurring? That's what that cover's supposed to do. It's like, Easy. Captain America's running for president. Captain America. I'd vote for him <gasps> if, if, if I had any say in American policy. If he did, did go for president, would he have to be President America? He'd still be called Mr. President for the rest of his life, wouldn't he? Mm. Very good. Interestingly, or perhaps not, depending on your point of view, oh. the credits don't appear until page eight. 
And when they do, they are portrayed as being on a Daily Globe newspaper front page rather than in the usual credit box. The headline screams, Cap for President! and is an exclusive by Roger Stern. Photography is by John Byrne and Joe Rubenstein. The Daily Globe was the main competitor of the Daily Bugle, the newspaper that Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, works for. Although Peter, fed up with J. Jonah Jameson, did work for the Globe for a while because they paid him better. How do you go about that? Because the Daily Globe got shut down when the um, owner was revealed to be a fraud. The story opens on a sunny Saturday in New York City. I'm just expecting to hear the music from the Batman TV series, though. Dim, a sunny day in Gotham City. Isn't it always? But wait, what's this? <laughs> oh, Bill Dawes, yeah. Terrorists have taken over a political rally and are holding hostages. See, terrorists are always, always in vogue. Within two pages, Cap has bust through the door and taken them all down with no loss of life. Don't you wish he was real? Sam Underwood, whose political rally this is, takes Cap to meet his staff who are so impressed with him that they suggest he runs for office. Cap turns down the idea, as he's not much of a politician, but Underwood tells Cap that the people don't want a politician, they want a leader. Cap still isn't sure, but promises he'll think about it, just not very hard. Cap leaves, and Underwood orders that banners and posters be made up with the headline, Cap for President. If Cap won't make up his mind, he'll let the American public do it for him, and Underwood calls up the newspapers. Later, Steve is helping new neighbour Bernie Rosenthal move in when another neighbour, fireman Mike Farrell, brings in a newspaper with the headline, Cap for President. Steve is horrified that Mike, Bernie and another neighbour, Josh Cooper, are all for the idea. Steve argues that Cap knows nothing about foreign policy, or energy, or inflation, but Bernie points out that he could learn all that stuff, and um, that politicians don't really know about any of that either. Not really. Wouldn't it be great to have a president we could trust, she asks. Next day, at Avengers Mansion, Cap encounters a mob of reporters, who he deftly avoids, and a clutter of mail from the other parties wanting him to run for them. The Beast, a blue furry mutant whose non-comic boot readers may know from X-Men 3, where he was played by Sideshow Bob, is delighted at the news. Was it? Yes. Cap encounters more Avengers, Iron Man, the Wasp and the Vision. You will encounter these Avengers in the film next year. We're so whoring ourselves out for the film audience, aren't we? (laughs) All offer Cap their views, but Cap can't believe anyone is taking this seriously until a call from the President asks him if he will require Secret Service security. This makes him realise the gravity of the situation. Opinion on the street is divided between people endorsing Cap and those that aren't sure. Interestingly, Spider-Man thinks that he never thought of Cap as a political person. Do you not see the irony in that statement? By his very existence, Uh, Captain America is political. Even more so than Superman. At least Superman makes an effort to go around and solve out earthquakes in Mexico or floods in Madrid or Japan or whatever. Mexico. It's what they call their version of McDonald's. Later, Cap reminisces about his school days when he happens upon the building where he used to go to school. Fortunately, it hasn't been destroyed in 40 years, unlike the school I went to, which no longer exists, and the school that your mum went to, which no longer exists. But Cap's very lucky in this respect, in that his school still stands. Still, like... It's dilapidated, yeah. And a former teacher who taught him civics and the importance of doing the right thing. 
Cap calls a press conference where he announces that he cannot run. And the issue ends with a quote from JFK. A man does what he must, in spite of personal consequences, in spite of obstacles and dangers and pressures, and that is the basis of all human morality. Let us be lovers, we'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my bag. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and this is Wagner Pies and walked off to look for America. Said as we boarded a greyhound in Pittsburgh This shipping seems like a dream to me now It took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw I've come to look for America Laughing on the bus Playing games with the faces She said the man in the gabardine suit was a spy I said be careful, his bow tie is really a camera Toss me a cigarette, I think there's one in my raincoat shot somebody through the head but nobody saw it that would be perfectly okay with you would it what did that person do I don't know why did you shoot him did you shoot him in Reno just to watch him die no I did not shoot him in Reno just to watch him die I see (laughs) (laughs) I've never been to Reno have you not no I've never been to me that's some reference that you don't get because you weren't alive in the 70s if the terrorists yes you just quoted Johnny Cash and I quoted I think it was Lena I've never been to me I've been to paradise I don't know the song Uh, I've been to paradise but I've 
never been to me. <laughs> if those terrorists were any good, then the hostages would be dead when capped through the shield. Why? Through. Well, because it's like, we're not scared of a thingy. Smash shield in. <laughs> well, yes. But the very fact that Cap is this good and takes them all out without killing anyone is what makes him quite yeah, cool. It, I don't believe for a second that it took him 3.7 seconds to take them all down. Why do you not believe that? Because he ain't that fast. The story tells us otherwise. Roger Stone is wrong. No, he isn't. <laughs> yes, he is. The writer of the story is right, except when they're not. In this case, he's not. He's not. I, I firmly believe 3.7 seconds. See, the thing with that is, right, would Spider-Man have been quicker? Because Spider-Man actually has superpowers. No, Spider-Man would have been um, slower than 3.7 seconds, but he would have been quicker than Captain America, who would not have done it in <laughs> 3.7 seconds. So how quickly would Superman have done it? Superman would have just gone... Nanosecond. Yeah. Superman would have just gone... And just took all the guns out of the hands, wouldn't he? And then just gone... Oh, if he was feeling really cocky, what he'd do is he'd disassemble all the guns... And then put them back in the hands. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. So when you press the trigger, the gun just falls to bits. <laughs> that is a very cool idea. I do like that idea. Mm-hmm. Go on. Um, and I was confused in this because I didn't know that Beast was an Avenger. Yeah, he's been an Avenger for a while. Has it? Yeah, obviously this story's written in 1980. Okay. So he's been an Avenger for at least 30 years. Yeah. So why did he become an Avenger? With the X-Men not paying enough. The X-Men don't pay. That's exactly right. The Avengers pay. Okay. So he he probably looked at it and thought, I could be in the X-Men and be hated and hunted and hounded by the people I've sworn to protect and have to get a proper job. Or I can go and join the Avengers, who everybody loves, and get $1,000 a week. Hmm. Avengers! Taxi cab to Avengers Mansion! Mark Miller. Pow. Civil War. Pow. Beast. Why did I do that? Mark Miller. (laughs) We're going to have to cover Mark Miller stuff one day just so I can tear it to pieces. You like some Mark Miller stuff. I like Mark Miller stuff when he's writing Mark Miller stuff. Red Sun. I didn't mind Red Sun. Kick-Ass. Yeah, that's, that's Mark Miller stuff, so that's fine. Oh, yeah. Nemesis. Mark Miller stuff, so that's fine. Superior was cool. Superior. I don't think I've read that yet. No, I only started last month. All right. So, yes, when Mark Miller's writing Mark Miller stuff, I'm down with it. When he's writing Spider-Man or Civil War... Or anything like that. I no. liked Civil War. I like the ultimate, and that's pretty much it. I like the idea of Civil War, to be honest. He writes everything in exactly the same smart-ass voice. He does, actually. He does. He's not got different voices for different characters. He's like Quentin Tarantino. Everyone falls over themselves praising Quentin Tarantino's writing. And he writes great women, and he writes great dialogue. Yeah, but he writes great Quentin Tarantino dialogue. Hmm. He doesn't write great dialogue no. for different people. They all sound like Quentin Tarantino, who's quite irritating. And Mark Miller's the same. Oh. All of his characters are smart Alec and sound the same. Fair enough. It's not as bad in stuff like Kick-Ass, but you're reading something like Civil War and going, Reed Richards would not say that. Captain America would not say that. Peter Parker would not say that. Crap. The Punisher would say that, though. The Punisher probably wouldn't say anything. He'd just shoot you. I like the bit with the Punisher and Captain America when they fought each other. And it was like, punch me, you fool! Did and Cap win? The, puni- he, the Punisher doesn't even fight. Because he respects Captain America. I liked that. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Go on. Uh, and I'd vote for Captain America to be president 
I wouldn't vote Lex Luthor, but moreover them, I'd rather vote for Rick Prez. Who's he? he? In Sandman, there was one issue. You shock me! I thought a Grant Merritt Morrison reference was coming up there. Oh, and you brought him up into this issue! No, I was just shocked. shocked. But no, there was an issue of Sandman where it's a tale about another America. An alternate An America. alternate, where this kid, this kid called Rick Prez was born, raised to be the president. Right. And he does a kick-ass job. Bottom of page two, Cap conf- Curl, for God's sake. Cap comforts the woman he's just rescued. A short scene that shows the compassion behind the man, behind the cow, which I think is really nice. He just holds her while talking to someone with Yeah, but then he whispers to her there, though. It'll be okay. Okay. And he doesn't come across as patronising. I like that. I thought I liked that. Uh, Cap has line on page three. No cause justifies terrorism. Uh, page five has some nice political commentary. Underwood wants to offer a real alternative to the same political idiots they normally put up, and that Cap should run. The people, the people would have to set, wouldn't have to settle for the usual lesser of two evils. They could vote for someone real. A lovely bit of irony in that line, in that Captain America isn't real. He's a symbol. Captain America's not real. No, Captain America's not real. I mean, you rose an interesting question. Would he be President Steve Rogers, or would he be President Captain America? Yes. Would he? Yeah, so that's quite interesting. Would he have to unmask once he got turned into president? You can't have Captain America as your president, can you? You go into the UN. (laughs) Captain America's sat there. I mean, on the one hand, that would be really cool. But on the other, I don't know that that would work, to be honest with you. So we'd have to be President Steve Rogers. I presume he would but be President Rogers. they're not voting for Steve Rogers. No, they're not. They're voting, so would he have to unmask before? I don't know. I mean, this is something that they, they never actually address, because he doesn't run, so mm. it ends up not, not mattering. Bernie Rosenthal went on to be Cap's girlfriend for a while, and he's still in the book today as a lawyer. Josh and Mike would also be regular in the books for a while, and again offer some interesting viewpoints. Josh says he doesn't normally vote, but would for Captain America. Now, he represents your mum. Okay. Your mum doesn't vote. Right. Because she doesn't think there's anyone worth voting for. It's not that your mum's anti-political or apolitical. She thinks they're all scumbags. Well, they are. Yeah, so so there you go. Um, When Steve asks how he could vote for an anonymous man, he replies, better than voting for a crook that doesn't wear a mask. Ooh. Which I thought was quite funny. Do Americans really have this low of an opinion of their elected leaders? I mean, I know Lois Lane has that line in Superman the movie when Superman says he's here to fight for truth, justice, in the American way. And Lois says, you'll end up fighting every elected official in the country. And Superman just kind of says, oh, you're just kidding, aren't you, Lois? But I know over here we have a very low opinion of mm. politicians and we're very cynical about our elected leaders. I thought America were very supportive of their leader. I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, I've not seen the episode of South Park that was just after Obama got into office. No. And it was pretty much every McCain supporter is so disappointed they almost killed themselves, and every Obama support, uh, supporter party is so hard they almost killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was, there was a good South Park on last night where Cartman committed a hate crime and got sent to prison. Okay. It was very funny. Uh, when Cap arrives at Avengers Mansion, I love that he just walks in the front door. <laughs> he doesn't do anything like, he doesn't fly in or pole vault in or swing in. He just walks through the front gate. What is that? Yes, I do. So, you can just let me in. I'm just trying to get into Avengers hey, Mansion. 
What up, beast dog? Oh, I'll tell you, man. He wouldn't talk like that. No, he, he's so wooden. He grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, page 11, panels 3, 4, and 5. Cap's facial expressions when being endorsed, or not, by his friends are excellent, as is the scene where Jonah Jameson is thinking about endorsing him until his editor-in-chief mentions the possibility that Spider-Man may run for Murr. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Actually. I like that. And that, it's that quite funny, funny now, considering that, that Jay, Jonah, Jonah Jameson is Murr. Is the Murr, yeah. Which is, um, Does New York have him there? Yes, New York has him there. Oh, okay. Cap's speech as to why he can't be given president is is great, I think. You're um, that out too. No, I'm not going to read all that because it's about three pages long. Cap upholds the American dream, uh, which he knows is not reality, and he knows he couldn't do that in the grey world of politics. Um, it's as good a, a meta commentary as to why superhero comics shouldn't tackle real world issues. They represent an ideal. Um, apparently, and which is why I think the 9 11 issue with Spider Man was wrong, but that's yes, John Byrne over. said something about that. Did he? Having it tied into this. Did he? He said it would make no sense because the, the, the first plane would crash, there's no stopping that one. Mm. The second one, the Avengers would stop. Then the Fantastic Four would go back in time, stopping the first one. Would they go back in time and change history though? I agree with the, the second part. I mean, it's always been the same thing, that if Superman were real, mm. yes, the first plane very possibly would have still hit the first tower. Mm-hmm. But if Superman were real, like you say, the second one wouldn't have hit, and the first tower probably wouldn't have collapsed. Mm. And this is why I don't think you should have real politics in superhero comics. If you're going to make your own poli- if you're going to have politics in comics, make it your own. Yeah, like make them up. Like you can do parody. Yeah. You can do social commentary. I don't mind any of that. Isn't, isn't that the boys? They yes. Blow up the bridge. Yeah. It, right? So that. But I mean, it's especially galling that 9/11 issue of Spider-Man. There was an earlier issue of Spider-Man. I think it was in Todd McFarlane's run, where the juggernaut knocks down one of the twin towers and laughs about it. Does? Yes. Okay. So that's why that 9/11 issue was just. They shouldn't have done it. They just shouldn't. Yeah. I don't mind them having the little symbols on the front mm. where they're paying homage to the people, and I didn't mind them doing that series of comics they did about the police and the firemen. Yeah. But they shouldn't have had Spider-Man in it. Oh, really? No. Superhero comics shouldn't have real world issues in that way. Mm. They can do them subtextually, and they can do them in a way that is just offset from reality. Um, they did consider having Cat run and win and be president for the next four years um, <laughs> but they decided that would be too much of a disconnect for the readers Marvel, I think it was Jim Shooter was Jim Shooter editor-in-chief at this time? I'm not sure let's have a look Jim Shooter, yes, Jim Shooter was editor-in-chief he thought this would be too much of a disconnect for the readers in that Marvel was supposed to represent the world outside your window in that mm. it's a recognisable place it just has superheroes in it Okay. which is one of Marvel's biggest strengths over DC, but also one of the things that does make you scratch your head. Because let's be honest, a world with only one superhero would be vastly different to the world we live in. Can you imagine if if Reed Richards, for example, existed? Yeah. So suddenly you've got a guy of that genius level who exists, who can build portals to the negative zone and travel out into space and all that stuff. The world would be completely different. And release the next iTunes. Yes. Which would be good. Fantastic fortunes. Fortunes! Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, 
having Cat be president for four years, they thought would stretch in it a bit. Um, later demonstrated quite keenly when at DC Lex Luthor became president. Yeah. God, that was dumb. Was it? I don't know, I didn't read enough of them to decide, I just thought it was a dumb idea. We have up there, but I've never read it. No, I've never read it either. I keep meaning to, but it is, I just think that's just an inherently stupid idea. Having Lex Luthor be president. Mm. Well, because then you've got the thing that for the rest of his life he's going to become Mr. President. Yeah. And how on earth do you have Superman fight the president and have Superman be the good guy? It's just dumb as dishwater. Uh, recommended reading. Some people have got in touch. Hi, Phil. Uh, asking where the issues are that we talk about and where they can be bought. Both these issues are available in the Captain America War and Remembrance trade paperback that has recently been republished as a hardback. Um, there's a Captain America movie coming out, don't you know? Uh, no, Had you not I, heard I, about I, I that? Heard rumors. So Marvel will no doubt flood the market with Captain America material, just huh. like they did when Iron Man came out. Guess just what? like they did when Spider Man came out, have they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man Out of Time is a new trade covering Cap after he came out of the ice and joined the Avengers. Is it? Yes. I thought it was before. No. I've not read that yet. By Mark Wade. It's a really good read. Um, again, it's five issues. But it's quite interesting because, again, it's one of those he's now fought out after 2001. And Tony Stark introduces him to Radiohead. Yeah, because he listens. Flipped... Do you really think Captain America would like Radiohead? I flipped through that last um, issue, and at the back he's got Bing Crosby or something. And in the next one he's got Kid A. Is that... Yeah. Huh. No, I don't buy that at all. I would totally buy Captain America liking Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I would totally buy Captain America liking the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. I don't really see him listening to Tom York warbling. <laughs> Not really. I just, uh, no, I don't, I don't get that at all, to be honest with you. Uh, the current Marvel cat book is knee-deep in a story that is, that's been running for easily five years now. Oh, indeed. Probably oh. more. Um, it's good. I used to like Captain America. Yeah, it's starting to stretch a bit now, isn't it? It sucked when he died, and yeah. he got good, and it sucked. Uh, um, but it's I think that's far too much of an investment for newbies in both time and money yeah at this point I'd just say pick up Warren Remembrance and Man Out of Time that'll do you next time on an all new episode of Hey Kids Comics we're going to start our epic god it's so epic Blackest Lantern Blackest Lantern Blackest (laughs) Night Green Lantern coverage. This essentially, really, I'll be honest with you, is a fill-in because I haven't done all the reading yet. I'm a bad toad. Oh, yeah. Bad toad! You mean we had to do more reading for this? or Yeah, two issues. I knocked this out in 20 minutes. Um, so, <laughs> we will see you next time. Say goodnight, Michael. Good night, Michael. Hey, quality <laughs> gag. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. All music used in the show is copyright by their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this. They do it simply for fun. And because they have too much spare time. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and nobody else. We can be emailed on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com and our website is www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com You can friend us on Facebook by going to Hey Kids, all one name, comics, all one name. And now it's time to pick up our bottomless brown bag, don an ill-advised polyester shirt and beige bell-bottoms, and hitchhike down the loneliest road we can find, 
all the while trying to find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within. You be good to yourself, my friends. <laughs>